Welcome to the International Brotherhood of Freemasons podcast, a Masonic podcast that brings you education pieces from a wide array of authors throughout the English, Spanish, and French-speaking regions of the world. International Brotherhood of Freemasons, in no way, reflects the views of any Masonic Lodge or Grand Lodge and is the sole opinion of the person expressing it. And now, your host, Brother Paul Haynes. Okay, so here we are, halfway through Season 1. This is Episode 5, and we're going to talk about a couple of renowned Freemasons. Uh, a French Freemason named Jean Bossu, and a uh, very famous Spanish-speaking Freemason, Benito Pablo Juarez Garcia. And uh, what we got uh, to look forward to in the rest of the season, is we're going to talk about Freemasonry under the Nazi regime. We're going to talk about racism and Freemasonry. We're going to talk about uh, Freemasonry in New Zealand and South Africa. And we're also later in this season, see a piece from Mexico. I've already begun researching and doing translations for season two. And uh, so far I have a very long piece that will become two episodes over the Chamber of Reflection is very fascinating. And we'll see some other educational pieces from English, Spanish, and French sources. First, we're going to learn about Jean Bossu. He was a French Freemason, and I got my, my as my source, L'Archives Departementales de Vosque. And this is a, an archive of... French Masonic materials, and uh, the this was under the direction of Francois Petrasoler, who is the director of the archives at Vogue. So uh, Jean Bossu was a a journalist, an author, and he contributed many Masonic education pieces and books. So that's why he was uh, remembered in the archives in the um, Orient de France. Okay, it says, French Masonic historian Jean Bissou initiated on Saturday, October 28, 1961, in Malbec, France. Producer Jean Bossu was a journalist, man of letters, and historian. He was born in Reims, France, on March 16, 1911. He is the son of Louis Bossu, Attorney General, and Marie Wei, a musical composer of piano and violin pieces. Just after graduating from Grenoble University, he studied a year of law in Dijon. He then returned to live with his mother in the Vogues, Jean Velo, the original Bossu family home. He stayed there between 1931 and 1939. During this period, he collaborated closely on L'Est Illustré, a now-defunct illustrated magazine for which he wrote weekly columns, and L'Idée Livre, a libertarian journal for which he was editor and literary critic. During the Second World War, he was mobilized to take part in the air campaign 26102 under French Colonel Greaves. He also founded the Racemote, or Low Flyer, an 
Air Force magazine, of which he became the editor-in-chief. Following the liberation of Europe from the Nazis, he relaunched the Société d'Histoire de la Révolution, a historical publication about France's Third Revolution, and became a journalist at La Liberté de l'Est, a newspaper in the city of Epinal where he worked from 1945 to 1976. From then on, he advanced his professional career by writing thousands of reports on famous men of the region, popular traditions, customs, and many other subjects. He traveled the streets of Epinol, Saint-Dié, Remiremont, and many other Volsk communities throughout Eastern France. He also became an international authority on the history of Freemasonry. His reputation earned him recognition as a worldwide expert, as an irreplaceable source of information for Masonic and non-Masonic historians, and will continue to be in the future. His history of Freemasonry was translated into English, German, and Greek. He collaborated actively in Jean Metron's Dictionnaire du Mouvement Ouvrier Français, which chronicles the labor movement that followed the French Industrial Revolution. He also published an impressive chronicle of the streets of Epinal in three volumes. His notoriety earned him to be chosen as a model of his profession by the journalists of the French national publication Entente Du. When he retired, he returned to work as a Gobi correspondent for La Liberté de l'Est, he was awarded the National Order of Merit in 1983, and he died in the city of Epinal on September 23, 1985. And I know there's no one else. The next piece is entitled Benito Pablo Juarez Garcia y el Pensamiento Masónico. In English, is Benito Juarez and Masonic Thought. And I found this on La Piedra Bruta, a Masonic blog. Benito Pablo Juarez Garcia is the most famous Mexican Freemason. He rose out of abject poverty and obscurity from the state of Oaxaca in southern Mexico. He did not speak any Spanish, much less English or any other language, until he was about 12 years old. He grew up in a very poor village, had very limited opportunities. So he ended up leaving his village, ended up in Mexico City. There in Mexico City, he originally began to study to be a priest and ended up in politics and ascended to the highest office in, in the land as, as president of the Republic of Mexico. And also, he, he was strongly influenced by masonry, Freemasonry. A famous quote uh, attributed to him is, El respeto al derecho ajeno es la paz, which is translated, respecting the rights of others is peace. Benito Juarez is one of the key figures in Mexican history and just as assuredly a central figure in humanistic thought and Latin American politics. Juarez is the champion of the Republic and the emancipator of the consciences 
of a people that lived during centuries of spiritual and religious meekness and that stemmed from frank fanaticism, nourished by ignorance and superstition, all promoted by an ambitious priestly class who are mostly interested in wealth and power. Freemasonry in Mexico and in the world recognizes the importance of the spiritual formation of man, and it proclaims to be motivated by the desire of the deepest spiritual rebirth. Its degrees and diverse rites and systems recognize the existence of God, and it requests that its aspirants pronounce themselves as believers, and subsequently its members ask them never to be stupid atheists or irreligious libertines. Both the Scottish Rite and the York Rite are led by the purest aspiration of linking the Mason with the Divine, and never have the Mexican Freemasons pronounced against any religion or any church. Neither have Mexican Freemasons ever renounced the universal heartbeat of regular Masonry. But before the attacks of a sectarian clergy, like the one that existed in Mexico during the colonization and during the 19th century, men of progressive thought had to come to the forefront in defense of the ideals of evolution and transformation that Freemasonry proclaims in its most internal forum and that constitutes the late motif implicit in its teachings and rituals. Juarez was one of those men, and the pleiad that accompanied him in his struggle, the men of the liberal reformation, are the best example of how the principles, postulates, and teachings of Freemasonry should so concern and encouragement for the social and political institutions of an evolved people. The United States was founded by Freemasons, and the Mexican liberal reform is, without a doubt, the second foundation of our republic, and at the same time, the definitive inauguration that placed Mexico among the civilized nations of our world. In this manner was Mexico recognized in Europe, particularly by Victor Hugo, and not only in Europe, but also throughout North and South America and the entire world. Juarez is celebrated for his human condition full of virtues and defects. Juarez is recognized for his enormous merits and is the liveliest example of perseverance in a struggle against all adversities together. Either in his personal life or in his political journey. In his personal life, Juarez emulates from the historically most marginalized social class in Mexico, the indigenous. Benito manages to become emancipated, study, become a lawyer in the midst of all the setbacks and misfortunes. He manages to become a high magistrate of justice, a deputy governor of his native state, Oaxaca, and finally president of the Republic of Mexico. Faced with the powers of the world, fighting the French intervention of Napoleon III and an ephemeral and golden-haired Austrian Emperor Maximilian of Habsburg, he confronted one of the most greedy and intolerant Roman Catholic clergymen of his time. He enriched society with more than two-thirds of the lands of Mexico and possession of the so-called dead hands, and willing to exercise preeminence 
over the earthly power of the state, notwithstanding the celebrated Christian mandate that God and Caesar should each occupy his own place and scope. What is is made great by adversity, by his ideals, and by his moral triumph over the enemies of freedom and progress. The presence of Juarez in Freemasonry is indisputable, although certainly the historical data varies. In Mexico, Freemasonry came during the first decade of the 19th century, and then in 1824, Guadalupe Victoria, first president of independent Mexico, acts as Grand Master of the National Grand Lodge of Mexico, brought to our lands by Mr. Joel R. Poinsett, plenipotentiary minister of the U.S. government to Mexico. However, by 1806, it is said that Miguel Hidalgo, the initiator of the independent struggle of New Spain, had been initiated a mason in a lodge without a name or exact location of Mexico City. But there is no reliable data on this. This lodge has probably been of Cadiz inspiration that is, of those founded in Cadiz, Spain, by Francisco de Miranda to promote the independence of the American colonies, the secretive and revolutionary lodges of the Rational Knights in Lautaro. After the Mexican independence was completed in 1821, Mexican society confronted the fundamental political debate of its history deciding whether the new country is to be constituted as a centralist or federalist republic. Freemasonry has played, since then, a crucial role in Mexican history. The so-called Scottish Rite, made up of peninsular Spaniards and some Creoles eager to maintain viceregal privileges, announced by a scheme of a centralist political organization, the mestizos, the emerging social class, decided to fight for a model of a federal republic and were grouped in the York Rite. Both systems of masonry became authentic political parties and according to Don Jose Maria Matosen in his History of Freemasonry in Mexico, 1806 to 1884, soon the lodges ceased to be such and became cliques of power and influence. The rituals and Masonic symbolism disappeared to become authentic political parties in which being Scottish meant being a centralist and being a Yorkino or Yorkite, a federalist. There were Scottish Freemasons and Yorkinos who served as deputies in the Congress and the debate was so strong that the fraternity ceased to be in midst of the struggle for power and the triumph of one of the two political agendas. Finally, the federal nation agenda, that is the Yorkino party, won out. Nine traditional Freemasons, five from York Rite and four from the Scottish Rite, Freemasons who were proponents of the lodge, ceremony and symbolism, tired of seeing the lodges turned into political parties, decided to separate from their labors and founded a Masonic system that prevailed throughout the 19th century to which they gave it the name of Mexican National Rite. The founding of this Masonic system occurred in 1825. This Freemasonry, regular in the eyes of American and European Grand Lodges, 
of British adhesion had among its members the most illustrious Mexican men of the 19th century. And it was a Freemasonry that was born to work the ritual and ancestral initiatory symbolism. By the state of affairs in Mexican politics, the seditious stance of the Mexican Catholic clergy in their efforts to control education and agrarian wealth, this caused the liberal legislators to regroup, but not in the Yorkino and Scottish factions. But now, under the banners of two opposing forces, liberals against conservatives, or in other words, masons against clerics, the struggle was bitter and led to a civil war, the War of the Reformation, with expensive social, economic, and political wear and tear, bitternesses that today flourish in the Mexican reality. Despite the moral triumph of truth against obscurantism, for many historians, without reliable data, Benito Pablo Juarez Garcia would have started in one of these lodges of the Mexican national right. It is not known if in Mexico City or in Oaxaca City. It's proposed that it was in the city of Mexico on the date of January 15, 1847, precisely in a lodge allegedly called Independence Number no. 2. Those who believe that the initiation occurred in Oaxaca by 1833 or 1834 postulate that it was in a lodge of the York Rite called Espejo de las Virtudes, which means Mirror of Virtue, founded by the National Mexican Grand Lodge of 1824. But Don Rafael Sayas Enriquez maintains that the event occurred in Mexico City, and to that effect he affirms. Juarez was a Freemason who belonged to the Mexican National Rite and in which he obtained the ninth degree, which is equivalent to the 33rd degree of the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite, which was so fervent in Masonic practice that his name is preserved with veneration in all the rites, and many lodges and philosophical bodies have adopted him as a sacred symbol. Some of the characters who attended the initiation of the Lodge of the National Rite were the brothers Manuel Crescencio Rejon, the Pericles of our speakers, Don Valentin Gomez Faurias, a patriarch of democracy and then president of the Republic, Pedro Subieta, Minister of France, Pedro Lemus, Supreme Commander of the Federal District in the State of Mexico, Federal Deputies Jose Maria del Rio, Fernando Ortega, Tiburcio Cañas, and Francisco Banuet. The initiatory act was also witnessed accordingly by Don Agustin Buenrostro, Joaquin Navarro, Ambrosio Moreno, Minister of the Supreme Court of Justice, Miguel Lerdo de Tejada, and many other distinguished military and scholarly people. The narrators say that Benito Juarez, from that night of his initiation adopted the symbolic name of Guillermo Tell, meaning that he would have to be energetic and consistent, just as the Swiss hero was in the defense of national liberties of his homeland. It is necessary to state that the sources assure us 
that, that to celebrate the Masonic initiation of Juarez, the Hall of Sessions of the Senate of Republic was established as a Masonic temple, and that the initiation ceremony was presided over by the illustrious brother Don Jose Maria de Rio, then Grand Master of the Mexican National Rite. It is said that Juarez, in addition to having chosen the symbolic name of the Swiss character, always wanted at any time and place to play the role of Tyler and none other. There are those who maintain that he was worshipful master on two occasions of his lodge, Independencia Number no. 2. The birth of Benito Juarez, which occurred in Guelatao, Oaxaca, Mexico, on March 21, 1806, coincides with a time of great upheavals that hinges upon the struggle for freedom and progress. The 18th century that bequeathed to humanity testimonies of intellectual grandeur in the works of the French encyclopedias, inspires of liberalism that would be fought for in Mexico by the likes of Dr. Jose Maria Luis Mora. Children of this libertarian tradition are Washington, Miguel Hidalgo, Jose Maria Morelos y Pavón, Sucre, San Martín, Mancini in Italy, Simón Bolívar, Bernardo, Bernardo O'Higgins, Juárez, and of course Lincoln. Why did Juárez become a Mason? Probably because he perceived in the old fraternal order the purest seeds of fraternity, of evangelical charity and mutual help. Juárez became a Mason probably because he found that it did not attack any religion. He and his wife, Margarita, were both deeply Catholic. Because he observed in the Freemasons the deepest respect for religious freedom, and because he understood that being a Freemason was equivalent to being free-thinking and at the same time deeply spiritual. Juarez had to understand in his heart that if Freemasonry retained certain rituals, it was because it wanted to perpetuate the wisdom of humanity's remote past and to guarantee in the world the permanence of laws, principles, and teachings that preserve the free nature of the human condition. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to listen next month when we learn about the history of the Grand Lodge of South Africa. I also want to thank Daniel Haynes for the intro and Ryan K. Haynes for providing soundtracks for this episode. You can find more information about Ryan K. Haynes and his music at ReverbNation.com. If you're interested to learn more, please go to www.ibfpodcast.com. You will also find a link on the homepage to support the show. Anyone who becomes a sponsor of the show with a contribution of at least $1 a month or a one-time contribution of $12 will receive access to exclusive content, which are original pieces, their translations, pictures, and also will be mentioned on the show. Anyone who contributes $5 or more a month or a one-time contribution of $60 will receive the same exclusive content, an honorable mention on the show, and will be listed as a producer on the website. And finally, will receive an IBF producer package by mail. Look for us on YouTube, Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter. 
we'll see you next month with a new episode of International Brotherhood of Freemasons podcast. Until then, remember how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. 